Welcome to Tea with Culture. My name is Hinda Zaina. It's been a while since our last episode. Pandemic life has steered Wa El Hatar and I away from here, but we're slowly making our way back. This episode marks a modest milestone. It's our 100th episode. I invited Mariam Dabbar, a UAE-born and raised Iraqi writer, researcher, and cultural communications consultant, for a conversation about her project that's currently on exhibit at the Jamiu Art Center in Dubai and part of its ongoing Library Circles series. The commission project reflects on the conversations around belonging and revisiting relationships with our cities. I believe these are topics many of us have been thinking about since the pandemic started and app themes to discuss for our 100th episode. Hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Hi, Mariam. Uh, congratulations on your uh, commission project at Jamil Art Center. That's part of the library circle. I was quite taken by the description um, which says um, it ex the program explores alternative research, mythologies, representations with a focus on thinking in public. And you, you definitely shared um, your, your project is thinking in public because it, it doesn't feel like a finalized object to look at, but it's more kind of inviting viewers to get close to the wall because a lot of it is text on wall. Uh, I believe there's audio, which I didn't see myself, so I need to go back and revisit it. I don't even think I've seen everything. I mean, a, a, a quick description of what this is, is uh, there's a lot of text uh, displayed across Jamil Art Center and a lot of its personal writing. And uh, yeah, please tell me what was the starting point, why you did this. Okay, thank you so much, Hen, for this amazing opportunity. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Um, this, as you said, it is, it is, I mean, I loved how you described it. It is thinking in public. Um, and um, the concept was, well, basically, we, um, it, was, it started as a conversation with the amazing uh, people behind the Jameel Library at the Jameel Art Center, Unz Qattan and Nadim Ghandoud. And we were, I've always been interested in writing about uh, our experiences as um, born and raised expats or born and raised uh, immigrants. I don't know what's the cool word to use nowadays, but, um, and I've always been interested in that. And I've actually written a lot about this subject, but in a very academic format where I've used theories of migration, diaspora, uh, exile, um, and, and try to theorize our periphery, if you may, if I may uh, but then I realized as I was growing older that there's nothing more, nothing better than storytelling. Our culture, our thaqafa is a thaqafat storytelling, a culture of storytelling. We are the culture of the hakawati. We are the culture that even describes politics in stories. Uh, we, we don't shy away from telling stories. So I thought, okay, how do you write about the history of the place from a, from the, from a storytelling point of view? through that lens and also how do you write a story that starts and ends every two years i mean the idea um the reality that we live in is a reality that is constantly interrupted because every two years we renew our belonging to this country and with it a new story starts so our history is fragmented and so is the um, the experimental writing that i've done it's very fragmented and it also starts and ends every two years. The idea that crossed my mind was that this is indeed around history, a history that doesn't have a beginning and doesn't have an end. It keeps repeating itself in, in magical ways. And I fictionalized that history. 
and I created stories out of it. So a lot of them are true. Some of them are not. Some of them actually uh, are inspired by um, the Hadduta, which is Arabic for fable. And it's specifically the 1001 Nights, uh, because we all know that uh, Shahrazad had to tell her stories every night so that she doesn't get killed. And so in a way, we're telling our stories every day so that we don't leave. And um, and it just reminded me of this idea of the Kanya Makan. And so I, part of the commission, I've also created four pieces of writing that are completely fictional, uh, completely Arabic, fusha, classic Arabic, and also uh, mimic um, this style of the Kanya Makan of Once Upon a Time in Arabic. Um, so this was the idea. How do you write the history of a place without writing the history of its people? And how do you begin to write the history of people that starts and ends every two years? Yeah, and I mean, what drew me to it is uh, this uh, idea, which I think is is important and pertinent. And maybe during this pandemic, we've, a lot of us have been thinking about it, right? So, you know, home has become like a key theme and fixture on all our minds because, you know, what does it mean? Some people have not been able to go to their homeland. Some people are, you know, stuck outside um, in countries because they're not allowed to fly back. Uh, Yeah, some people are stuck at home with family members they've not been normally, you know, living with for a long time. I mean, there are like lots and lots and lots of those kind of stories, right? And and I think specifically to the UAE, this kind of divide between the the nationals and the expats and this kind of complete kind of fragmentation about, uh, you know, this... Uh, you know, as much as it's seen as a cosmopolitan country and multinational, but it's I, to me it's very fragmented, and I think you will agree with that. And and there's no what 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 does unite us? And I think with so many people who've lived here for decades, who've been born here and raised here, but still don't necessarily identify because they're not, nas- you know, nationality wise. So there's this identification based on nationality or identification that yeah, this is home. So regardless of what your nationality is, but the UAE is still home, and you really. And your writing really captures it. And, and fine, I mean, I, I'm a UAE national and there is that privilege compared to an expat who's born and raised here. And, and I keep thinking it's 2020. When can people who've been born and raised here, have been here like for four decades, five decades, six decades, you know, and, and first generation, second generation, when will this country enable them and or allow them to feel that yeah they're part of it and not here as guests right because that's always the whether you're a long-term guest short-term guest and regardless of what background right so blue collar middle class upper class it's it's um it's quite uh upsetting and especially when it's not um you know it doesn't feel permanent enough for them to stay here and and people who've spent a lifetime here eventually feel like they have to leave because you know, for better futures for their children because they want to feel that um, safe and secure because they can get a passport if they migrate to country X, Y, Z. And there was one line which completely stayed with me. And I think it's from a piece you wrote many years ago, maybe almost 10 years ago for the state. And uh, the line, uh, the paragraph is, um, I have begun my reconciliation process with Dubai recently, but there is a sense of melancholy and sadness that engulfs me in the city that I cannot explain. And I mean, I've been feeling like that with Dubai <laughs> since the pandemic <laughs> and probably free. And yeah, I was very much touched by that line. And I, I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I mean, this is something you wrote almost a decade ago, right? Uh, my God, I can't believe I can say things like I wrote something a decade <laughs> ago. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I wrote this upon my return from London. I had left uh, the UAE to go continue my education there. And uh, of course, when you go there, you're young, um, you're studying at a liberal school, liberal arts school. There's so much conversation about belonging and identity. And it was very, and, and, and everybody has heard this conversation. We've spoken about it a lot uh, in our private uh, sort of uh, gatherings with our friends, Emiratis and non-Emiratis, the question of where you're from. And it was obviously when you leave the UAE and you go live somewhere else, that question becomes really crucial. And, and the answer is never simple. It's almost an essay. So you start explaining the history and what it means and where you're from. And I think my reconciliation 10 years ago was the fact that I needed to claim it, that I, I can't wait anymore for it to be claimed on my behalf. So I needed to claim it. And and yes, there is melancholy and there is still melancholy. Um, and I think maybe part of it is because I'm Iraqi and that's part of our DNA. Um, nostalgia to something, is, something yeah, is, is, is evident in everything we say and do and cook and sing. And, but also there is an Emirati part of me that is also melancholic because... Th- for example, you've mentioned COVID, and yes, COVID was such, I mean, it continues to be an extremely bizarre experience for a lot of people. But honestly, I felt so settled. For the first time, possibly in my life as an adult, I felt so settled that I didn't have to worry about leaving. Because for the first time in my life, the borders have closed and there's no way for me to even think about an exit. Not that I want an exit. I'm probably one of the very few people who also reconciled with the fact that I don't want to immigrate anywhere. I, I might have to, but I don't want to. Like, I don't want to leave. Um, and, um, and I think that level of comfort and that level of permanency, although very temporary, was um, a relief for me. And I didn't understand why I felt relieved at a time when I'm genuinely worried about my parents, my vulnerable family members, the world, uh, my job, the money, my livelihood. But I think it was that sense of permanency, especially when the UAE said or announced that visas are renewed um, until the end of the year. And although my visa doesn't expire until next year, but still there was that sense of, okay, we're all the same now. And of course, the government, and I have to say this, I mean, we were very lucky to live at a place where precautions were taken much earlier on. Um, healthcare is free if you have COVID. The testing is very affordable for those who can and those who can't, it's for free. I mean, all of these things made me feel that sense of reclim- like sense of belonging again, but also really it's that sense of permanency. But am I sad? Of course I am. I will always be sad. I mean, there's, there, I don't think anybody can, can understand or has attempted to theorize that pain um, that you feel, which is also mixed with jealousy because you're constantly jealous of anything permanent or anyone permanent. So, um, you know, you watch a TV show and you see someone inheriting their father's bookstore or their mother's business. And you're like, yeah, that can never happen with me because there's no way that I can give my business to my child because there's so much paperwork. I don't actually own that business. And if, if indeed I give it to my kids, then my kids, I mean, I don't know how would that work because it didn't happen with my parents and my generation and I was born and raised here. So it's these little things that I don't think I'll ever get over. Um, but I'm also very happy to claim 
to claim the space as mine. خلاص, I'm not, a, this is, a lot of people said, is this a critique? I'm like, is it? I don't know. Or is it a love letter? <laughs> Or is it, uh, is it some sort of, a, 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 you know, what, what is this song? that I've written uh, to the UAE or to my history in the UAE rather than the UAE itself to my family no wars in Iraq they came here because they wanted to my dad was extremely adventurous so he wanted to start a life somewhere else um, and they decided to stay here um, it, I don't I don't think of it as a critique as much as me attempting again to claim this space that I've not known any other as my home. And, and maybe sealing that claim with actual stories and histories. Like, guys, yes, I know what the 80s are like in the UAE. I like, I, you don't, you know, there was this uh, hashtag on Twitter where like, do you remember Dubai or something? Yeah. And people were posting these things and, and others were surprised. Oh my God, you were here in the year 2000. You were here in the year 1999. I'm like, I was here 1982, guys. <laughs> like I was here through it all. And, and I didn't even feel the need to participate because where do you start? Yeah, I know. Right? I, remember, like I, this, I cannot know Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember seeing that. Where did you start? Where did you start? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I felt I didn't need to as well because it becomes like, okay, who's been here the longest and the oldest. And I'm like, I don't, you know, there's no need to play that game or prove that game. And it's always interesting. It's the ones who've yeah. been maybe like for a decade or just over a decade where they feel like, you know, Hey, they've really kind of like been here long enough. And you're like, wait, I have news for you. It's almost like an achievement. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's also, Felt like an achievement. Like I've survived 10 years. I'm like, but I've lived 38 years, and I'm okay with that. I haven't survived anything. Like I've lived 38 years, and I continue to live. Yeah. So I, I always also find these things um, strange because, again, I don't belong to that group of people. Um, this is home, and this will always be home, no matter where I end up in the future. Um, this, this is home, and I think that commission really seals that. Um, Like, how, how do you write about home? When, when you think home, you think stories, you think memories. You think Sharjah before Qasbah and before, you know, Majaz Waterfront. Um, you think Dubai before everything, really. <laughs> you know, so it's... Everything. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, yeah, there's definitely, like, you, you know, there's your agency and, yeah, your place in this country, right? And I think... And I, I and good on you. And I and I, you know, I hope this encourages more people to feel like not not to feel shy about saying, yeah, no, I I do belong here. I am from here, despite of what passports you hold. Especially like you said, if you if the, a lifetime has been spent here, um, because I think yeah, this notion of home is 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 different. Um, and and you only realize what that means when you leave the UAE, because then it's, yeah, answering the question, where are you from, right? It becomes this long convoluted, you know, because there's nationality, there's your parents, but you, you know, you're born and raised in another country to your parents, etc. And I always think like, you know, is it, is it time now to redefine what does Emirati mean or what does Emiratiness mean, right? So like, again, because over here, this kind of very clear divide of what is meant to be an Emirati and what is non-Emirati. And, you know, and at what point the, 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 there's a blurred, you know, gray line between the two and wh why would someone, what's the difference between, uh, you know, someone 
Yes, Emirati parentage. So now it becomes like, you know, is it like generation to generation based on, you know, the bloodline versus an Emirati, you know, uh, who's, yeah, been here like for 50 years, but, uh, you know, migrated or different ethnicities, et cetera, et cetera. So I think about a lot of these things and, and I don't think it gets discussed publicly enough in a, in a kind of critical manner or, or I don't know how much of it is being written academically. And I feel this might be a turning point where I think these topics are slowly being discussed, right? I don't know. What, what do you think? No, no, absolutely. Like, and I write about this in the commission. Like 10 years ago when I wrote this piece for the state, I was genuinely worried because these things were not discussed. You know, you do not discuss um, a, a sense of sadness of being here. You don't discuss that you're jealous of everything in you don't say these things in public but more and more a lot of artists and curators and spaces especially in the arts and culture are opening up these conversations of you know the long-term residents and what that means and all of these memories and all of these um, practices actually that are influenced by by your history here so these amazing artists that are much younger who are a product of the UAE and only claim the UAE to be to be their home it's funny you say that like what is the meaning of Emirati and Emiratis and Emirati I think born and raised in a place at least I can talk about myself because I'm the 80s and the 90s generation and Anna, I was born at a time when truly I, I've spoken several I can speak several dialects I know several things I understand so many cultures um, it's really great to be part of this kind of fabric growing up and now even more so um, at least I know from the night. But um, but for example, when I was a kid, I struggled with that. I struggled with the fact that I was just Iraqi. So I remember as a kid, and I wrote about this, I told my dad that I'm Imaraqi. So I mixed both words together, and I was like, great, I found it. I found that identity that makes sense. And honestly, I still think it makes sense, you know, like that I am a bit of both. But as I started growing up, and I think that a decade ago, 10 years ago, I started calling myself a UAE, um, an Emirati born and raised, rather than just an Emirati. And then when that was not frowned upon, but people would also, it, it led to so many other conversations, and I didn't want to, to indulge in where I was from. Um, I started saying I'm um, born and raised in the UAE, but with parents who are from, originally from Iraq. And then I started saying, no, I'm Iraqi. And, you know, you, you go back and you feel a little bit of uh, anger and you're like, no, I'm going to claim the home that claimed me, although Iraq never did, <laughs> but, um, and, and just call myself Iraqi. And then Iraqis will get pissed at you and angry because you, they think that you're disowning your Iraqiness. And some people here would think that you are, uh, you know, that small space in between, a very, very weird space, a very strange space, and a lonely space as well. I don't think... I do think this is a conversation that needs to be done. I don't know if now is the right time, but I do know that it is being discussed, that um, there's a lot of um, space and room to understand that there are millions. I can't, it's not even thousands anymore. There are millions of people like me in the UAE. I come, I'm not 
this is not a special case at all, um, that feel that this place is their home and feel a sense of belonging that they don't might not even contest. My nephews and my nieces who were born here, they don't even contest the fact that they're from here. They don't even think of it. Like they're Emirati, they don't know anything else and don't want to know anything else. Their aspirations are here, to build here, to think here. They possibly have the dream of going to an Ivy League college because they watch Netflix. But other than that, like that's their knowledge of the States or England than I am. Because I was still part of the first generations that came here, right? I was born to first generation. Uh, immigrants, um, but they are they're 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 born of the first generation or second generation. I don't know what's the classifications. So yeah, I yeah, don't know if that answers anything, yeah. But I, I mean, <laughs> but that's it. Like it's not a clear definition, right? And and uh, and I and I think the arts has definitely helped open up the conversations more. Uh, I mean, again, maybe within a bubble, like maybe yeah, it's not a mainstream conversation for sure. But yeah, how can it become a mainstream conversation? I also wonder. Sorry, Hinda, I lost you. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm. I'm wondering, like, is this because I never, for example, like there, are, you know, because they're like the Arabs, or you know, like maybe you know, brown people versus white people, and who've been here for decades. But it's always a conversation that comes from you know Arabs or Asians about kind of yeah, like this is home because I don't know anywhere else. But I've never been in conversation with someone, maybe say from the UK, and you know we have a large UK expat community, and and I'm curious to know what do they think because it's very clear they're British, but they live here. You know, like it's it's this very, I I don't know. It's just I wonder why why is it different? Why is the labeling different, or why is the comfort level different about you know kind of claiming what home is, or the comfort level of saying yeah this isn't home, but I'm living here, and um, and you know an expat becomes this other notion that is just as as um as comfortable with or as assuring as being a national i, I don't know the, the, yeah, yeah no I, I see what you're saying <laughs> yeah no no i see what you're saying and i mean on a personal level i know so many uh people from the uk who've um who came here, you know, for purely sort of like amazing career opportunities and then they've got married and they've had children and now their children only recognize this place to be their home. So they, but they came after the 2000s and the, and I think they came with the influx of people that have come to the UAE to, to, to make this place what it is today. Um, and I think it's maybe a bit different with families that have come in the 80s and the 70s because Maybe, I don't know. Again, like I can't speak on behalf of all of them. And I, we came at a time when, at least I was born at a time when, when there weren't many people in the UAE. And um, I, was, I went to government schools. Um, so I studied with Emiratis and Syrians and Lebanese and Iraqis. And, and we were all studying for free together. Um, there was no, the only difference we felt was which universities we're going to go to upon graduation, because some would go to free universities and some would go to paid universities, and that's us. Um, but even then, I got a full scholarship because of my grades from the UAE government, and I could study, uh, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to afford that university. So, but for, for generations that come, or people who've come after the 2000, I think there is a difference in the way that they view this place. My parents came here when, yes, of course there were opportunities, but they were not crazy opportunities. They just came here to start a new life. It was, my dad was adventurous and experimental to say the least. 
but it's different when you come here with everybody else. Maybe that's one. The other thing that I think about is also different experiences. So I, I also recognize that my experience as an Arab middle class, born and raised in Sharjah, which was the haven of Arab families, uh, who um, engineers and construction companies and, and painters and artists and so on. My experience is very different than someone, let's say, from South Asia who've moved here, moved to Dubai or moved to Sharjah. Um, very different uh, stories, very different experiences and very different histories and equally important. And I think that's what makes this idea of storytelling so exciting is that we're all, there's so many stories. There isn't one story. There's so many stories and they're all great. They're all fascinating. And they all tell the history of a space, a place, a land. And this land is, is so multi-layered um, that it, it just, I just feel like if people maybe step away from this idea of just thinking about it academically and which is extremely important. It's extremely important to theorize what is happening right now, but also maybe just feel encouraged to start saying stories and sharing them, uh, however, in whatever way. Um, I think we will recognize the, the, the complexity of the place that we live in. Yeah, no, you're, so. you're, you're absolutely right. And I think one of the writers who does it really well is Deepak Unikrishnan. And, you know, he's, you know, published a book and he's uh, has a couple of essays out. And uh, and that's like an, another good example of, yeah, storytelling that is really about, yeah, what is the meaning of growing up in a place like the United Arab Emirates, right? And what it engulfs. Because like you said, this place is so layered and there's a lot of nuance, but it's never picked up, I think, upon... Um, when it comes to mainstream discussions, right? Or or the way this place is written about or reported, it becomes the stereotypical idea of what this place is. And it's either, yeah. you know, you're extremely rich or extremely poor and there's nothing in between. And I think the likes of us are all the ones in between, right? And, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and nobody... Yeah, nobody talks about the in-between. I mean, I know, I understand it's not very sexy for media and for stories, <laughs> uh, you know, but no, but it, it's the, the in-between is a, is a large group in the UAE. It's a huge, large group, whether it's a middle class or the lower middle class or upper middle class, uh, whether it's the South Asians or the Arabs or the, the Emiratis, the half-halves. I mean, there's so much happening in the middle that and that it's it's rarely picked up on. Or if it is, then it's in a quite problematic ways as well of, of claiming, I mean, again, I'm not, there's nothing that I wrote that stated that I'm a victim of anything, right? Like I have the choice to leave if I wanted to, I'm not a victim, nor were my parents victims. If anything, this is a story that needs to be told. And I think maybe part of the slippage that we've seen recently is, is, is people are very uncomfortable with the other's victimization of themselves. And, and I understand, even if it's valid, I understand it, that that discourse is very uncomfortable for a lot of people to read. Uh, but stories are, are nice. Stories are pleasant. Uh, they could be a bit sad. They could be a bit emotional. They could be funny. Um, and some of the things that I wrote were extremely funny and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I think just more storytelling. And this is something, by the way, Hen, that I've never really subscribed to. Yani, and I, I've always written, like I've always had my job, but I've always written seriously and academically in journals that are not picked up by people who are part of my circle and mm. part of my job. Mm. Uh, so this is really the first time that I've experimented with my writing as such. 
And what made you decide it's writings on the wall? Because this could have easily been, you know, something that's in a book and, you know, is part of the library circles project at Jamil and they could just sit in a library and read it, you know? So can you tell me about the process of what yes. made, you know, what led to the decision of the way it's exhibited? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, honestly, this is the, the um, I, I can't take full credit for this. Uh, Nadine was unbelievable, her and Uns, uh, in, in sort of fig- trying to visualize this project. But we both, we, when we were speaking, we both knew that what we wanted to do was create an intimate experience with the text because the text is so beautiful and so intimate and so small that we, and it, it wasn't a large piece of text. Like I wasn't writing a book or a novel. So we wanted to create an experiential experience with the text. And what better way than when you're walking in a space to read a story about a space? Um, and of course, the Jamil team were extremely generous to offer their walks for my writing. And the way that they've been placed also um, makes you like there are places where they're uncomfortable. Like, so you have to maybe lower your head, maybe squat a little to read the text. But it's also because those parts are were so uncomfortable to write. Um, so again, it's it's really all about the intimacy of the experience and and also the writing on the wall, right? Like, can we? Can we all see the writing on the wall? Like there is a bit of a playful uh, playfulness here in that in that concept. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is, and it is scattered across Jamil Art Center. We urge anyone listening who will have an opportunity to go, yeah, kind of look for this text. And you know, I think it starts in the library, and then it starts. Uh, spreading yeah. on walls inside and outside and uh, and yes yeah, so it's a discovery process as well I think for people uh, and it's written in English and in Arabic and yeah is there anything you you plan to do anything beyond this like so after you you know you've positioned the writing on the wall like any plans <laughs> of it being right being written on a page <laughs> Uh, so we, there, is a, there is an audio uh, piece that is going to accompany uh, the writing that is going to be up on the website. Uh, so obviously with COVID um, and it being a reality and people choosing to social distance or isolate, we created um, uh, an audio installation, an audio piece that is going to go on the website so people can hear me narrate the stories. And we've done them in a slightly different way where there is... Um, like it's just it's very interesting like but really it's me reading the stories and it has both the arabic the iraqi and the english so there is that and of course uh, we're um thinking about public programming and something along the lines of uh, some sort of like a um, storytelling session or uh, you know people just coming together and sharing stories or talking about uh, their memories in the uae um, not to be recorded on social media or anything, and definitely not a competition, but just like trying to understand the complexities of our experiences here. But again, we're we're trying to understand the situation right now, and and as as you know, like unfortunately, maybe we're hitting our second wave. I'm not sure. So we're just trying to think of the best and the safest way to do it, um, while also um, getting like having some sort of impact at least, or or engaging like an engaging fun. Um, uh, public program, inshallah, hopefully. Yeah, no, I like the idea of inviting people from the public to come and share stories and the whole, and I hope it'll be something that can be done in person. Like I'm so sick and tired of everything being done online and I don't look and talk to people on screens. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, because this, it's meant to be up till January, right? Like the, yeah, yeah so... Yes. Inshallah, in a few months, like within the few months, there could be change or there's a way where you 
control the number of people that come at the venue. Absolutely. I think, I think yeah. we're, I think we're close here in the UAE to figuring it out. Yeah. So I, I think we'll definitely find a way and we'll definitely have something. And uh, yani I would be so delighted to see people come and just have a, have a good time, you know, like not everything needs to be, you know, I'm, so serious. And it just sometimes you just want to come and, and, and enjoy a storytelling uh, session. And we miss those. We used to have those as kids. Right, Hakawati, uh, and this idea of having someone to tell you a story. So maybe lots of people telling stories at the same time would be just lovely. Yeah, no, I uh, and I think with the weather getting better, it could even be done outdoors. So yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, so I think anyone listening, just watch the space, follow the Jamil Art Center, you know, website, and see what comes up. But yeah, I think I'm sure there will be people responding to this. There's a need for us to yeah be together in spaces you know even if it's two meters apart or whatever but but me like yeah here's to more storytelling because I think it's these are the stories that need to be put out more for people to understand what this place is because there's this sensationalism that comes with this place and kind of not forgetting there's a lot of you know grounded humble modest stories that add value to this place and it's just always overlooked because something over sensationalizes you know one element or the like the stereotypical kind of attitude but no I'm, I'm really glad we had this opportunity because I think all of these topics were something I've been thinking about and I'm sure a lot of us have been thinking about since uh, the pandemic started since the lockdown and I also want to say like this is the 100th episode of Tea with Culture so I'm really happy oh, this hey. is the, so I'm happy like this is the subject for this uh the podcast because you know like it took a while like you know uh we were quite obviously for a while because of the pandemic and and to me I'm like I wanted the 100th episode to be with a guest on a topic that matters uh so I'm glad this I'm is so it. honored thank you so much thank you this is amazing what an honor thank you so much and I really appreciate it and congratulations what an well, yeah no thank you no no thank wow. you and congratulations to you so to recap it's in Jamil Art Center in Dubai uh until uh, January please go visit uh, watch the space, uh, like follow Jamil Art Center and uh, yeah, see what news comes up or in terms of events organized around it. And as soon as I know more, we'll obviously spread the word. So yes. uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. thank you. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for whoever is listening to us. And thank you, Nadine and Uns and the awesome team behind the Jamil Art Center. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more discussions about art and culture, please follow or subscribe to Tea with Culture on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, or any other podcast app you may be using. Please leave a rating or a comment or both. Uh, We'd really like to hear from you. You can also follow Tea with Culture on Twitter and Instagram. Till next time.